Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for, for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use it and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Loved ones, we're also going to say our Bible confession. It's going to be displayed before you. It doesn't really matter the form your Bible takes. Before we dig into the word of God, let's make this confession. Read it with me. Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God, and I shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, you know where we are. I'm going to show you a scripture. We're at Moses and this burning bush, Exodus chapter 3, and we are indeed in the voice translation of the Bible. I love the voice translation of the Bible for many reasons, but the voice translation of the Bible for this account I truly love because it gives us a couple extra tidbits that other translations may not, may not provide. Starting at verse 1, now one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to a place known as Horeb where the mountain of God stood. There, everybody say there. There, the special messenger of the eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but to his amazement, the bush did not burn up, not burn up in flames. Moses said to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. When the eternal one saw Moses approach the burning bush it, to observe it more closely, he called out to him from within the bush. God said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, I'm right here. We've dug a lot of insight out of this. And we're not going to comb through all the insights like we typically do. But I will tell you this, the insight that I want you to know that, guess what? Moses took an unusual path. And when he took the unusual path, God met him there. God meets you on that unusual path that he wants you to walk. He doesn't meet you just anywhere. He meets you there. Last session, we dug into that highlighted part there. Moses looked. What's that word after looked? Again at the bush. Why was that significant? Well, it was significant because for me, Having grown up in church all my life, and I'm sure many of you, when you hear about Moses and the burning bush, the first thing you say is, wow, that's an amazing sight. I see why Moses decided to turn and, and take a look. But a little research when I became an older, more mature Christian, you know, I read my Bible, as we always should. I learned that burning bushes were common in that area. Ah, so the significance of that word again is that Moses probably saw the burning bush and initially ignored it because it was common. From there, we launched out. In last session, we said, hey, let's talk about our common gifts. Specifically, we said, you know what? We agree that you should desire spiritual gifts. 
that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as it wills. But don't you dare dismiss your common talent or your common ability. We call them gifts that God gives you. Ironically, those common gifts can have a tremendous positive impact on the kingdom. Why? Because they bring you in touch with people from all walks of life. There are people who may not ever step foot in the church, but they'll sit in your barber chair. They may never step foot in the church, but they'll sit in your salon chair. They'll come to you to get their car repaired. They'll buy your fried chicken and your collard greens and your banana pudding and your cornbread. You know what else they'll do? They will come and patronize, that right? patronize, that the word? Patronize whatever business you start, be it medical, be it counseling, be it whatever it is, they will come. And while they are there to interface with you about your common gift, you are now dispensing the spiritual. So we don't dis we don't we don't dismiss our common gift. But guess what? If it's common, sometimes you will ignore it. For this session, we're going to roll in another topic. We're not stepping away from rolling it in. We're staying with the idea that this burning book. But now we're going to roll in the topic of purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. We're going to roll it in. And as with your common gift, purpose has a direct link to other people. The gift God has given you, when you use it for the kingdom, he's going to want to touch other people. God's purpose, God's purpose is going to involve other people. When we think about purpose and people talk about purpose, people can make purpose really complex. And I'm not saying it can't be. For purpose, if we had a, a seminar on purpose, I'm sure we can make that thing as, as complicated and complex as we want to. But for us right here, for us just having our family conversation, purpose just means whatever God wants you to do. Whatever he wants you to do. If he wants you to do something elementary or if he wants you to do something extremely elaborate, both of them are his purposes. If you are standing in the line at your local fast food restaurant and God asks you to buy a sandwich for the pe person next to you, that's his purpose. If you do it, you fulfill his purpose. If you elect not to do it, then you leave his purpose, at least from the perspective of your part to play in it, unfulfilled. God can also ask you to start a global movement to end world hunger. If he asks you to do that, guess what? That's his purpose. If you do it, you know what you do? You fulfill his purpose. If you shy away from it, then you leave his purpose, at least your part to play in it, unfulfilled. I have to agree, and you will agree with me, that starting a global movement has a whole nother different level of internal struggles and feelings than buying somebody a sandwich. That's clear. But in the most basic perspective, they're the same. They are all in the category of God's purpose. And when God taps you on the shoulder for his purpose, that tap on the shoulder can kind of disrupt your routine. It can pull you out of your comfort zone and cause you to have to face your fears when he taps you on the shoulder for his purpose. Say this with me. Say, when God taps me on the shoulder for purpose, it is not always convenient. Many of us, eyes in the upper right-hand corner there, see that burning bush? Many of us have a 
burning bush of purpose standing right before us every day. But we ignore it in our mind because it's common. Remember, we're not talking about gifts. We're talking about purpose. We ignore it in our minds because it's common. It's stuff we see all the time. Your mind walks past it, but your heart does not. Your heart picks up the flames. Your heart feels the heat. Your heart notices the burning bush. Now, what do I mean? When Moses first arrives on the scene, before we get to this whole burning bush scenario, he's walking around, then he sees the burning bush. God at that moment is ready to talk to him. But God is not going to talk to him until he makes a decision to draw closer. The same thing happens when he's calling you through something common for his purpose. When you see or hear about a child in need, when you, when you hear that and you feel that tug from deep within your core to do something about it, that's God attempting to talk to you through the common. That's a burning bush. And that tug is your heart wanting to go closer. When you hear about students not having the proper access to the right educational equipment or the right education, and you, and you get a tug from deep within your core, that's God trying to talk to you through the common. It's a burning bush. And that tug is your heart wanting to draw closer. Draw closer. What about noticing out there in the world some kind of system that disadvantages a certain portion of society? And in, in, inside, in your core, you, 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 feel a, you feel a tug to do something about it. That's God trying to talk to you through the common. And that tug is your heart wanting to draw closer. You notice that Families continue to go through the same old mess, repeat the same mistakes that their forefathers did over and over and over. Iniquity. And when you see that, that just burns you up. You feel a tug from within your quarter. Help them out and do something about it. That's God trying to speak to you from the common. It's a burning bush. And it's your heart trying to draw closer and that tug is real and you feel it and the urge is strong but guess what sometimes you hesitate a lot of times you hesitate you don't do anything with it you don't budge on it sometimes you avoid it sometimes you run from it altogether but God's trying to speak to you He's trying to speak to you through something common. Say this with me. If I run away, God still does not remove that bush. Doesn't remove the bush. He keeps that bush there burning in hopes that at some point in time, you make a move. And he waits for you to make a move. But he waits for a reason that's far beyond you. God waits because other people are depending on you to move. Now we have here Exodus chapter 3. We're going to get into this. We've already read through verse 4. Now let's switch to verse 5, and we're going to do 5 through 12.
Verse 5. Now God has already said, Moses, Moses. He said, Lord, here I am. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the, on the ground in my presence, for this ground is holy ground. I am the true God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says, feeling a dread and awe rush over, a feeling of dread and awe rushed over Moses, rushed over Moses. He hid his face because he was afraid he might catch a glimpse of the true God. We'll be back to get that later. Not today in another session. But here, let's dig in now. Verse 7 through 12. God starts to talk to this boy. He says, I have seen how my people in Egypt are being mistreated. I have heard their groaning when the slave drivers torment and harass them, for I know well their suffering. I have come to rescue them from the oppression of the Egyptians, to lead them from that land where they are slaves, and to give them a good land, a wide open space flowing with milk and honey. Jotting quickly down to verse 10, so God finally says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you. To which Moses says in verse 11, who, who, who am I? What you mean you're going to send me? Who, who, who am I? Loved ones, right here, beginning in verse 7, God has given Moses, giving Moses an overview of the assignment. And Moses, see that, who am I? Moses putting up resistance. He's putting up resistance, and that who am I is a consistent theme. In effect, who am, who am I to go talk to Pharaoh? You calling me, who am I to, to, to talk to the children of Israel? You calling me, who am I to go do this stuff? Who am, who, who am I? Why are you asking me to do this stuff? But one thing is abundantly clear. There are people counting on Moses saying yes. When God is explaining this, and Moses is giving him the no, God, I don't want to do it. I want you to know, and we've seen it because we've gone into chapter four, that God never retracts the request. Instead, he leans in and he presses Moses to accept. He presses Moses to accept because there are people depending on his yes. Moses, his yes is the beginning of the end for somebody's mistreatment. His yes is the beginning of the end of somebody's groaning. His yes is the beginning of the end to somebody's torment. His yes is the beginning of the end to somebody's harassment. His yes is the beginning of the end to somebody's oppression. Moses, his yes is their rescue. Moses' yes is God's opportunity to show somebody a better life. His yes is the opportunity for God to show somebody and lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. There are people depending on this boy's yes, and God refuses to let him off the hook. The same applies with you. When God presents that burning bush and your heart feels that tug, even though you walk away from it and you don't do anything from it, let me give you a hardcore example. You look at the homeless situation. And there's a tug, but you just drive right on by. And you pass that group of people every day going to work, going to do something. But that tug on your heart never goes away. That's God refusing to let you off the hook. Yes. 
And that's a tug that you're getting. Because you can ask somebody else about it. And they don't care about them people. They might not even see them people. What people? People, people sitting well. You don't never see them. They be out there in tents over there by the billboard. No, I don't, I don't even look over there. But there's a tug on your heart. And that tug on your heart is God refusing to let you off the hook. He's refusing to let you avoid that burning bush. Why? Because there are people depending on your yes. Your yes marks the end of someone's mistreatment. Your yes marks the end to somebody's groaning. Marks the end to somebody's torment, the end of their harassment. Marks the end of their oppression. Your yes is the beginning of their rescue. Your yes is God's opportunity to show them a better way. Your yes is God's opportunity to lead them into a better land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Your yes is God's opportunity to show them that life ain't got to be this way. Your yes, loved ones, is God's opportunity to let them know you ain't got to cry no more. You ain't got to be depressed no more. You ain't got to be hurt no more. You ain't got to feel alone no more. You ain't got to feel ugly no more. You ain't got to live in lack no more. You don't have to make a, a living like that no more. You don't have to earn your money like that no more. You don't have to look at yourself like that no more. Your yes is God's opportunity to let somebody know they don't have to hide in the shadows no more. God doesn't let you off the hook because your yes is the opportunity to let somebody else know that life can be better. Your yes means so, so much for so many people. And it all begins with you first observing and acknowledging that burning bush of purpose. Drawing closer. And then allowing God to speak and then you act. It's not about wondering, God, am I the right person? God, why are you sending me? The reason is far beyond you. God's purpose involves other people. And until you step aside and put you to the side and realize that, you might struggle with accepting that purpose. You might continue to avoid it. You might continue to push it to the side. Moses' yes is the catalyst that God wants to work through to touch other people. There is an essential part, though, loved ones, about God's purpose. We've just talked about in that purpose, what we tend to do is, you know, we ignore it, especially if it's common. But when God taps you on the shoulder for his purpose, He's expecting you to act now. Observe this image, and let's talk about that. When God gives you, I'm going to call it a directive, his expectation is that you're going to take steps to begin your part to fulfill his purpose now. God expects you to start now with the resources you have. Start. With the education you have right now. Start. With the experience you have right now. Start. With the skills you have right now. Guess what? 
start. With the talent you got right now, hey, hey, start. That can be hard for us, though. That can be a tremendous hurdle for us, though. That can be a, a terrible, terrible struggle for us, though. Why? Because when we look at what we have, we consider it ordinary. God, you want me to start with this? You know what I got. And you know what you're asking me to do. When we look at our resources, to us, our resources are ordinary. They're basic, underwhelming, unamazing. Our education, in our eyes, basic. I think it's basic. I think it's underwhelming. I think it's really it's unamazing. What about experience, talent, skill? God, when I look at it, it's, it's kind of basic. From my view, it's underwhelming, not amazing at all. But guess what? No matter how you see what you got right now, when God taps you on the shoulder, he expects you to start. Start with what you have and start right now. Remember, whatever God wants you to be, more than likely for you, it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. It's going to take you out of your routine. It's going to cause you to face your fears. It's going to put you on an unusual path. But doggone it, when you walk that unusual path, you got to be confident that God is going to meet you where? There. He's prepared to meet you there. No matter what you have in line of resources, education, experience, skill, talent, when God taps you on the shoulder, start. Start with what you have. Now, to reinforce that, that mindset, that thought that we should start with what we have, we're going to look at Moses and his first really true, you know, hardcore exchange with God that's at the beginning of chapter four. This is when Moses was really trying to pull out all the stops with excuses as to why he's not the right one. Exodus chapter four. We're going to start at verse one and two. Moses says to God, this is in the middle of him saying, God, can 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 you please pick somebody else? Moses says, what if they, the children of Israel, what if they don't trust me? What if they don't listen to a single word I say? They are more likely to reply. The eternal has not revealed himself to you. The eternal one answered Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses replied, my shepherd's staff. Now pause right there. God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses says, my shepherd's staff. Moses replies with what he has in his hand right now. And in Moses' view, what he has, guess what? His shepherd's staff, I could, I could add an inflection. I could put Moses said, just my shepherd's staff. He considers it ordinary. He considers it basic. He considers it underwhelming. He considers it unamazing. When God asks you, to start where you are. He's expecting you to start with what's in your hand. Even if you expect him to, to, to be the one that step in and do something amazing, at the start, when he asks you to do something, he's asking you to start with what's in your hand. You may consider it ordinary, but God is saying start right where you are. 
and look at this. The moment Moses cast his staff as God instructed, for those of you who know the story, what happened? What happened? Turn to a snake. Let's, 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 let's see this different, though. The moment God told him to do it and he did it. Look at this. I want you to read these. Oh, what you do? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, you know, who, 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 right here. Stop right here. Thank you. I forgot this. When God asked him to throw his staff on the ground, I want to change the wording a bit because I want it to apply to us. Instead of hearing God say, cast your staff on the ground, I want you to hear it this way. Cast your staff out into the earth. Now, my next one. When Moses cast his staff out into the earth, read these highlighted three words for me. What happened? It was transformed. What Moses had into his hand was ordinary, basic, underwhelming, unamazing. But when he cast it out into the earth as God directed, that thing was transformed. The same thing applies to you and what you have. The resources that you have in your hand right now, no matter how ordinary you think they are, when God asks you to cast those resources out into the earth, you do it in obedience to him, doing it in faith, and watch him transform the ordinary into something much greater. The resources that you have, cast them out into the earth and watch them transform. The education that you have right now, you cast that out into the earth in obedience to God and watch God transform it into something greater. The experience you have, the skill you have, you cast out, cast that out into the earth and watch God transform it into something greater. He told Moses, cast it out. And his thing that he had in his hand was transformed. Your talent, the ordinary, cast it out in obedience to God and watch God transform it. God said, what is that in your hand? It's just my staff, just something ordinary. God said, cast it out. And when he did, it transformed. In this same verse, I want you to notice something. It's already displayed, but I took the liberty and the media team is going to show you. I took the liberty to highlight it for you. Same exact verse, but highlight it different. Look at that. When what he threw on the ground transformed, the last part of that verse says, Moses quickly jumped back in fear. And just to get it on the audio, I'm going to read this. God said, throw your staff down on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it was transformed into a snake. Moses quickly jumped back in fear. Loved ones, when you are walking out what God has asked you to do and God begins to meet you there, when God begins to move, it can scare you. Yeah, it can scare you. There are a lot of people that'll talk to you about the fear they had before they started what God wanted them to do. But let me tell you, 
there is fear that can creep up along the journey. There is fear that can come into your heart when God begins to move. And when God begins to move, he's moving in response to meeting you there. But it can scare you. It can be frightening. What do I mean? Let's take people. When God begins to move because you stepped out in obedience to him, powerful people can begin to just call you out of the blue. And that can scare you. When God begins to meet you there, people will just extend to you opportunities out of the blue. And that can scare you. When God begins to move, people will direct resources your way just out of the blue. And that can scare you. All of that activity, the people, the opportunity, the resources, all of that is signaling that God is moving. In that signal, though, that God is moving, it may seem counterintuitive, but when God begins to move, it can scare you. It can, it can put fright in your heart. And you ask, how is that possible? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you. It's nothing that you haven't heard before. Hey, it's nothing that you probably haven't said before. I'll go ahead and stick myself out there. It's, it's nothing that I haven't said before. Let's take people. You're doing what God asks you to do, and a powerful person calls you up out of the blue. And what you do, you stand up in church and you testify. So-and-so called me, y'all. You, so you tell everybody, calling your sister and your mom and everybody, tell them how good it was. But then you get home by yourself. And you said, oh, Lord, that person is the CEO of this place. This person has this much control of, of, of this. This person has the phone number of senators and, and congresspeople. I don't, I, I, whew, I don't belong talking to people like that. You begin, that's fear. You're coming close to talking yourself out of it. Somebody extends you an opportunity out of, out of the blue. Oh, you testify initially, but when you get home by yourself, I, I don't think I can do that. I, 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 I'm not in a position to do that. And you think of every reason under the sun as to why you shouldn't pursue that opportunity. God's moving on your behalf and it's scaring you. It's everything you prayed for showing up at your front door, being dropped into your lap and you about to run away from it. Resources. People start funneling resources your way. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I should take that. Or what am I, what am I gonna do, do with that? Oh, what if I, what if, what if you what? God's moving, but God's moving, and it's scaring you. And what you wanna do when things start scaring you is quit. But like I've already said. God's not into letting you off the hook so easy. Because there are people depending on your yes. Say this with me. God does not want me to quit. He wants me to complete the assignment because others are counting on me. When God tells this boy to throw down his staff and that thing transforms, he jumps back in fear. And when he jumps back in fear, y'all guess what God asked this boy to do? Give me the beginning of verse 4. 
God says, reach out and grab it. Specifically, God says, reach out and grab it by the tail. But reach out, reach out and grab it. Say, say those four, five words with me. Go. Reach out and grab it. God says, reach out and grab it. At this moment, I want to pause and inject a critical conversation piece regarding fear. Because fear is something that when you are pursuing the, the things of God, you're going to face. Can you take me back a couple? Where, where Moses, the one where Moses jumped back in fear. Take me one forward, one more forward. Right there. No, one more forward. I apologize. I apologize. One more forward. Right there. Thank you. We've already read this. But at the tail end of this verse three, right before you hear, it says, after he, you know, when he threw the staff on the ground and it transformed, the Bible reads, Moses quickly jumped back in fear. All of us, when we look at that, we can say all we want that Moses is scary. We can look at that and we can have a certain mindset regarding that. But here is what we all must concede. When Moses jumps back, he's jumping back out of knowledge, not ignorance. Let that rest a second. This man is jumping back out of knowledge, not ignorance. He's a shepherd. He's seen a snake before. He's dealt with snakes before. He's seen snakes kill sheep. He's seen snakes kill men. When he, when he takes the action to jump back in fear, he's not doing that out of ignorance. He's doing it out of knowledge. The same thing applies to us. When God sends something our way, when he gives us a purpose, when his opportunities cross our path, it can scare us. But you know what? Most of the time, we jump back, not in ignorance, but in knowledge. We jump back because we've done that before and failed. We tried that before and we were hurt. We've seen other people attempt that before and they failed miserably. So we decide we are gonna draw back. We're not going down that road. God, I believe it's your voice, but I'm gonna elect to draw back. And we draw back, not out of ignorance, but out of knowledge. Granted, knowledge of what we've experienced in the past, but it's not out of the blue is the point. What we feel on the inside, that, that thing that make us draw back can be 100% real. And as much as I would like to be able to say something that makes you face that fear, the reality is I cannot. I can't make you face that fear. The best I can do and what I'm going to attempt to do here is I can give you something, a revelation out of the word of God in hopes that that puts you in the position to build up the courage to face your fears. Take me back to where God said, 
reach out and grab it. So here we are. God says, reach out and grab it. And this boy has drawn back already. He has knowledge of what a snake's all about. He has knowledge of that which he fears. What revelation can I hopefully provide you that'll give you some courage? We're going to read together six words. And they come out of the balance of this verse four. If you would, these six words, believe it's six, on the count of three, you see them highlighted there. We're going to say them together on three. One, two, three. As he held it, it changed. Loved ones, God asked this boy, this man, to reach out and touch his fear. And as he grabbed it, it changed. The scripture in total reads, God said, reach out and grab it by the tail. Despite his natural fears, Moses reached out and grabbed the snake, and as he held it, it changed back into a shepherd's staff. Family, that transformation did not happen while Moses thought about touching his fear. That transformation didn't happen when he motioned to touch his fear. That transformation did not happen when he got close to touching his fear. That, transfer, that transformation only happened when he touched it. That transformation only happened when, despite his natural fears, he built up the courage to confront that which scared him. Thinking about it didn't help. Motioning to do it didn't help. Getting close to touching it and grabbing it didn't help. It's not until he actually grabbed it that it transformed. And when he grabbed it, the moment he touched it, the moment he confronted it, God made it safe. The moment he touched it, God, true to his word, met him there. What does that have to do with us? I want you to repeat something with me. Say this. There are fears in my life that I will not conquer as long as the thought of them causes me to draw back. Next one. Let's go. There are fears that will continue to exist in my life until I face them. Final one, loved ones. There are fears that will dominate and control my life. They will remain a mastering factor until I have the courage to reach out, grab them, and cause them to succumb to the greater power that is in me. When we're talking about God and his purpose, 
and what he might ask you to do and the path you may have to take. When it comes to your fears, we draw back most of the time out of knowledge, but you got to confront them. If you don't confront them, they will continue to be your master. If you don't control, confront them, they will continue to be a dominant controlling factor in your life. And those very fears that you won't confront are the very things that will cause you to pause and hesitate and not pursue what God wants you to do. And that is something that God does not want. Why? Because other people are counting on your yes. And your yes is not a yes to start. It's a yes to see it all the way through. If you're going to feed me, it's not enough that you just make a grocery list. The list is a start, but you haven't fed me yet. It's not enough that you get in your car and you get to the parking lot of the store. It's not enough that you actually go and buy the grocery. It's not enough, look at this, that you get home and season the chicken. It's about follow through. You got to put that bird in the oven. You got to dip it in some grease. You got to get it out the marinade and apply some heat to it. Put it on the grill. You got to do something. And then at some point, you have to actually feed me. Even if you cook it and put it on the plate and lock me out the house, though, you haven't fed me. Your yes is about following through to completion. And the reason you have to deal with your fear is that during every step of the way, fear is going to be there. The enemy wants you to quit. And it doesn't matter what phase he gets you to quit in. If you get if he gets you to quit, people still won't be fed. They'll never get to that place where what? They end their torment, they end their mistreatment, they end their oppression. They'll never get to that better place, that land that flows with milk and honey that says, listen, you don't have to live this way no more. Why? Because you stopped. And don't you dare pat yourself on the back talking about, I did most of it. Almost feed me still leaves me hungry. And guess what? A person that gets almost fed long enough will eventually get weaker and weaker and weaker and transpire. Well, God is going to send somebody else to do that. He might. But they ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah, God might send somebody else generations later. And so people have had to endure for two more generations, as you said. What are we talking about here? We're not talking about you and me specifically. We're talking about his purpose, which is to touch the lives of other people. And to get it done, you gotta touch, you gotta address your fears. Moses had fear dripping off him from the beginning. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And let's identify a place to put a bookmark. When God was giving this gentleman the original overview, and he goes through and says, listen, this is a whole bunch of stuff that I'm seeing in Egypt. My people getting mistreated. I don't like it. I'm sending you. Moses jumps in and he says, who am I to confront Pharaoh and lead Israel's children out of Egypt? How do I know that was fear talking? Because God's next response, he says, do not fear. Do not fear, Moses. I will be with you every step of the way. He's telling him right now. 
whatever you have in your path as you're with, when you're with me, if it's a fear, don't worry about it. Because I'm with you. David once said it like this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He got to one part of that psalm. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because it doesn't scare me in the natural, but because I know who I got with me. God is telling him, I'm with you every single step of the way. And loved ones, you have to realize that God is with you every single step of the way. So where do we bookmark it? I told you that we were not pushing our common gifts to the side. We were really rolling in the discussion of purpose. And by rolling it in, what I mean is whether you're talking about pursuing your common gifts that will reach people, people or pursuing God's purpose, which will reach people. Fear is an unacceptable part of the equation. And fear will always be there to stop you from pursuing it. Whether we talking about you starting your t-shirt business or becoming an author that will ultimately meet, meet, reach people or his purpose specifically, go heal this person. Lay your hands and heal them. Whatever it is, if fear creeps in there at all, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable because fear prompts a no response to God's purpose. And that response is unacceptable because other people are counting on you to follow through. And that's where we're going to bookmark it. As you know, we're not done with Moses. But we're going to bookmark it here. I want I want to I want to just Let's just say toss another element in there just for extra. It's like you didn't order fries, but I'm going to give you fries. Where Moses says, who am I? When God gives you something to do, when he, when he exposes something just through the comment, We often say, God, who am I that you would ask me? Who am I that you would ask me? I'm going to ask you to flip that on his head. It is not, who am I that you would ask? It is, I am because you ask. Not, not, not who am I that you ask, but God, I am because you ask. The simple fact that you ask must mean I got something in me that this world needs. I don't care what resources I have, it must be enough. I don't care the education I have, it must be enough. I don't care what experience I have, it must be enough. I don't care what skill I have, it must be enough. I don't care what talent I have, it must be enough. I am because you asked. It's, it's, it's not who am I that you ask. Tell that to the devil next time he wants to get fear in you. Talking about where you come from, talking about what you've been through, talking about what people are going to think about you, talking about how you talk, talking about how you speak and how you walk and how you dress. And I, you know what? I know why you here trying to talk me out of this, because you realize that I am because the I am that I am has touched me and is inside of me. I know that I can cause damage to the kingdom of darkness and I can lift up the kingdom of light. That's what he was trying to get this man to see. 
Moses was saying, who, who am I? God was saying, listen, I'm with you. So whenever you move, I move. When you show up, I show up. You don't have to worry about your criteria and your experience. I've selected you, therefore you are. You are exactly the person for the job. Recall what we've already said. We don't have to give God a laundry list of why we can't do. Because newsflash news to anybody that don't know, God already knew who you were before he called you. He already knew all you had before he called you. He already knew who your mom was, who your daddy was. He already knew, hey, listen, how lazy you can be <laughs> before he called you. Want me, to, want, me to, want, me to, want me to step on some more religion? He already knew that every now and then a word come out your mouth that's not godly. He knew that when he called you. But whatever has to happen in your person to get you transformed into exactly who he wants you to be, that'll happen while you walk with him. See, somebody will try to talk you out of doing something because you're not, you're not God perfect yet. First of all, they're probably not God perfect. But you know what the real deal is? God, his, he's ready to accept you as you are, to use you as you are, to use what you have right now. All you got to do is step out with him, and every step you take with him, he will work on your heart. He will transform your character. All you got to do is say yes. And saying yes is important because, family, yes is not just about you. Your yes, it ropes in other people. So when God asks you to do something, just say yes. Even if it's subtle, just say yes. Even if it's elementary, just say yes. Just say yes. And in the whole context of, of the latter part of this message, face your fears. No matter what God asks you to do, if his purpose, you run as hard as you can out of at it until you can reach out and touch it. If it's your common gift, you build that business or whatever it is as hard as you can until you can reach out and touch it. And if it's your fears, don't you run from them. You stand firm. And as it relates to that fear, you reach out and you touch it and you make it succumb to the greater power that's in you. I love you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the wonderful things that you give us. The moment we stepped into this earth realm, for, 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 for all of us, you instill something special. A talent, an ability, the way we think, the way we figure things out, uh, the way we use our hands. It's, it's some gift, and God, we, we submit that gift to you because we know when we get that gift up and running, guess what? It's going to reach people for the kingdom. We also desire spiritual gifts. Oh, yeah, we want... All that if, if if we know that the Holy Spirit dispenses those things, if we need to prophesy, you'll let us do that. We need to interpret a tongue, you'll let us do that. The Holy Spirit dispenses those things as He wills, and, and we welcome those too. As it relates to your purpose, we shall pursue with all of our might. If fear tries to creep in, we will no longer draw back. We will do the opposite, probably to its surprise. We will reach out and grab it and bring it unto subjection of the greater power that's in us. For every person who is
counting on us to come through, people we don't even know. God, we say now to them in the spirit, we're coming. We're going to complete our assignment. We're going to follow through because we know you are depending on us. Well, that's what it's God had to say to us today. Pray. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.